Paul Fontanelli. I work here at Calvary Grace, and I'll be doing um, a topic on Christians in the workplace, specifically talking on productivity. But even as you settle in your seats, uh, why don't you just join me in a quick word of prayer, and then we'll get started here. Almighty God, we do thank you even for today. Thank you for such a privilege knowing that the weeks and the days and the years and the months are all in your hands, and we are, Lord, under your lordship. So do help us even on this Lord's Day as we rejoice knowing that you have risen again from the dead, that we could have this as a way, Lord, to worship you, to commune with you, and even to be blessed and changed by you. Grant us, Lord, wisdom and even focus as we look into this topic. For all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So just on top of your head, think, how many weeks do you think an average person has in their lifetime? Do you have about six digits? A couple hundred thousands? Maybe 10,000? The average person doesn't have much. They only have no more than 5,000 weeks. And that's very generous. You only have, if you live up till 80, you only have just a little bit, 4,000 weeks. Moses says in Psalm, our lives last 70 years, but if we're strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. So if, if we're strong, we reach 80, that's a great blessing. That's just a little over 4,000 weeks. You may be thinking now in your seat, how many more weeks do I have counting? This one author who wrote this book called 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals, he says, if that's all we have, time management ought to be everyone's chief concern. Like really, time management is all life is. That's kind of a bummer if that's all that life is. Managing our 24 hours, managing our seven day a week, 365 days a year. But there's this intuitive tendency within us to make use of our time. Because if we don't use our time wisely, we, we know there is an impending expiry date for each one of us. But we don't know that date. So when the word productivity comes up, Maybe, maybe some of you starts cringing and twitching and like, ah, oh, what's this guy talking about? Why did they put this guy speaking here on a Sunday morning? Is it just another buzzword like work-life balance? You got all your to-do lists, check, 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 check. Maybe your calendar is organized. You got color-coded, you got analog, you got digital, you got alerts. Maybe you use apps like Trello, Notion, Evernote, Teams. Or maybe that's just for me who's nerding out on those things like that. <laughs> but think back on the day. Just, just think back, even the past week, past month, when you said to yourself, I had a productive day. What did that look like? Does it look like submitting that business plan you've been working on this past week? Maybe you had a productive day responding to 30 emails while attending a mandatory Zoom meeting. You know you, you know you do that. You know you think you could multitask, but that's another topic. If you're a mom, does it look like dropping off your kids off at your, 
parents' place, get the groceries for the week, and while driving to Costco, you call your friend to catch up, and then on the phone, you click on the appointment saying that you'll confirm for your next dentist appointment for your kids. I'm not recommending you do that while driving, but you know, you got to do it, because why wait? Or maybe, maybe, since it's spring and summertime, it looks like finally finishing that yard work your wife has been asking you to finish the past two summers ago. How about on an unproductive day? You say to yourself, ah, I wasted my time. Very unproductive. What did that look like? Is it your car breaks down on your way to office to close an important deal and you end up spending talking to your insurance company, talking to your mechanic, having back-to-back meetings all day in the morning, in the lunch, in the afternoon, and it's 5 p.m. and you still haven't drafted that proposal. Maybe it's month end, your computer freezes, you have to send a ticket to the IT, and that's all you did. Well, time is still clicking, time is still ticking, and you have a deadline to meet. So, you know, all of us have this intuit to recognize that we want to use our time wisely. We don't want to waste it. Think about it. When you're folding clothes or when you're eating, do you just eat it? Do you just eat your food? Do you just fold your clothes as is? I think you open up your phone and listen to a podcast, listen to Audible. Maybe you work through lunch, eat and work, eat and work. Maybe on your commute to work, you review litigation papers. Maybe you're prepping your sermon. I don't know who's ever pastors here. Prepping your sermon on a combine. I've heard that's very quite productive. But, you know, for all of us, we do have this sense of our day being productive. We know that we have a limited time in a day, so we can only fit so much task to do. So we have 24 hours, we know that, but minus the hours when we have to sleep. So roughly 16 to 18 hours. So our day is already shortened. So you feel that pressure to squeeze everything you can in every waking moment because you don't want to feel that you're wasting precious minutes. Seconds matters, if you come to think of it. Minutes matters. When you go to an appointment, where do you go? You go to the fastest route. You want to waste time. When grocery shopping, you go to the shortest line. While waiting for a response from a coworker, you're responding to another coworker. While your page loads, you check your t- Twitter for the latest hot take. So this can vary from person to person in your context, in your season, but there's a pressure, there's a weight that we need to make most of our time. That nagging question, have I done enough for the day? But maybe you're the type of person who's on top of everything. Again, I mentioned, maybe your calendar is so balanced. You got the color blue for church. You got the color pink for family, even the yellow for for work time. You got your to-do list listed out and checked off. And then once you do that, what happens next? Do you rest? No. You add more to that to-do list because you got more time. But maybe for you, some of you, you ain't feeling that productive. You're just barely surviving, barely hanging on, and you ain't got time to think about efficiency, no time for productivity. And yet, you know, there's this deadline creeping up and you don't know how to start, when to start, what to do. But even as we think of productivity now, especially in the workplace, we have to be first clear what productivity is not. First, obviously, productivity is not idleness or laziness. 
So if you've been attending this class ever since the start of the series, you would remember that in this fallen and cursed world, there's two failures that meets us. It's idolatry and idleness when it comes to work. Because our work is toilsome, we can be demotivated to expend effort. We don't want to work. We're afraid to take risk. We're afraid what it will cost us. So we're sort of disincentivized to start that project, to find a job. You may have big, elaborate plans. This is, this is my dream, my vision. But if you don't get up your seat and act on it, what's, what's good that going to do you? It's no good. And included in laziness and, and, and idleness is procrastination. We know everybody has that, their own way of procrastinating. There's still tomorrow. I'll delay. There's more time. I'll, I'll just take a peek on my Facebook. I'll just take a peek on my Insta. I'll just take a peek on Twitter. What's, what's the latest take on this specific topic? But you know you have something to do, but when you delay and delay, sometimes consequence can be minor, but when you delay the important things, it can be grave. So productivity is definitely not idleness, nor is it inactivity. But productivity is not the total opposite side of that. It's not busyness. You hear that from every people. Hey, what you got doing today? Oh, I'm busy. What did you do last week? Oh, very, very busy. Like, what, what does that mean anymore to be busy? Is it doing a lot of stuff in a visible manner? You want to show your boss, I got my clipboard here. I'm going to start checking off and walking along, appearing to, to look busy to your boss, to your team. Is it just filling in the time with very inconse- uh, inconsequential activities? Is it just like photocopying for two hours because you don't want to deal with that draft proposal right now? Sometimes this busyness gives us that false sense of assurance that, yes, I've accomplished something because I'm active, I'm doing some work. But we, we messed up the priorities, we messed up the order if that's how we think. Maybe you're getting things done, even fast, but are you getting the right things done for the day, for the time? Some of you may know Tim Challies. He's a, he's a Christian blogger. He referred to these things, laziness, passivity, idleness, like procrastination and busyness. These are called productivity thieves. So these actions, or you could say lack of actions, steal away from you what you were intended to be. You were not meant to be inactive or work a meaningless task, but you were actually created and called for something more. So to put it positively, productivity is essentially three words, getting things done. Maybe you heard of that book, but essentially there's tasks that needs your attention. You have actions to take with a certain amount of time because you want to get this result that you want, you want to achieve. So there's this component of activity, time, and desired result. So you could say to be productive is to be efficient, making use of your time wisely. It's a measure of what uh, is a measure of your, your output, the result, based on how much you put in. You're, you're leveraging all your energies, your time, your attention to produce the maximal results with the allotted time and resources that you have. So productivity is being effective, meeting goals and expectations in a timely manner. And you see, in here in this world, with all that we have, anybody could be productive. Anybody could be that type of productive. You employ the right tools, you have the right discipline, you can grit your way to get her done, really. You could grit your way to get her done. 
But if productivity is just getting things done, even getting it done fast, we, we miss the mark. We fall short of that mark if that's all productivity is about. So I want to frame our, our understanding of productivity beyond our little words here, worlds here. Take a look at some actual practical applications that you could employ in your life in whatever situation you have. And we'll look at the end, the most productive man on this earth. So just a theology of productivity and framing of understanding of what it is. Moving beyond our little worlds to grasp what it means to be productive, we need to get the order right. Order is key. Order is priority. Productivity cannot start with us. It has to start with God. The Apostle Paul wrote in his letter, speaking of God in Romans, he says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So we need to see that productivity is actually top-down rather than in and within. Okay? Productivity is top-down rather than in and within. We can even say it's top-down, back again to the top. But it's just easier to stay with two words. Top-down rather than in and within. Because productivity really, truly, it originates with God, it is directed by God, and it culminates to the glory of God. So when we evaluate our activities on a day-to-day basis, we need to have that bigger picture in mind. The overall scheme of life and history of the world, who determines if your life is actually productive? Is it up to you? Is it up to your boss? Maybe if you're a teenager here, is it up to your parents? But we have to start with our maker. God, who is life in himself, created us in his image to show forth his goodness, to show forth his worth. He, therefore, actually has the right to set the terms of our life and our duties duties to him. So our our creator, he commands all people, Christian or non-Christian, to live for him and to make much of God. In other words, and you've heard this before, all that we do, even our work, is first and foremost worship. It's worship. Because ultimately, who decides and decrees what good works to be done? It's God. God is the one who decides that, who decrees the good works that we should do. do. Familiar with the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question number one. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So it's, it's God-centered. It's, it's God-originating, directed by God, and culminating to God. But secondly, we do have to consider that productivity is actually other-centered, not, not, not me-centered. Because of Adam's failure to obey God's command, each person is turned inward, turned inward, focusing on self, serving self. We want our desires to be satisfied and gratified. So the fall caused us to be concerned only about ourselves to fulfill our needs, no longer to make much of God, to show off who he is, his good character. Because you know what? Our tendency is to be in control of our life. Productivity in the world's definition, I want control of my time. That's it. I want, I want to control my time. And you know how, how, how we think of it too? We don't want others intruding on our time. 
We don't want others. We don't want disruptions. This is my goal. I'm focused. Nobody else has that right to disrupt it. So you want to get things done according to your timeline. We knock off our to-do list to do more things for ourselves. We fill up our, our, our calendars to gratify all our wants and our needs, even at, sometimes at the expense of others, without regard for God's honor and his due. So just a brief survey. You, you, you're probably all familiar with these texts, but we'll briefly survey what Scripture says about man's duty and being productive. In the Old Testament, in Genesis, in chapter 1, says, In the beginning when God had created man and woman, he blessed them, he blessed them and said to them, um, oh, sorry, I'm paraphrasing here, but fill the earth and subdue it. You could say that's some kind of productivity, really, right? They're, they're producing descendants. That is productive, truly. But in another sense, when he placed Adam in the middle of the garden, God commanded him to what? To work and take care of the garden. To cultivate it, to grow it, to expand and yet, that expansion, there's actually a borderline to protect, to secure. In the wisdom literature, the book of Proverbs, so Proverbs is a book of pithy statements, very precise and brief and pointed statements on applying God's law in the fear of the Lord. So diligence is commanded while, while sluggishness and laziness is reproved. One proverb in chapter 13, verse 4, it says, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. In Ecclesiastes, he ends the book with this. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God and keep his commandments, because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. In the New Testament, what is, what is the framework of how, how our productive life is being, being judged, being, being measured? You have to start with the greatest commandment. Jesus says it is to love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So, so you're dedicating all your time, your energy to work as if it's unto the Lord. Even if you have secondary employers here, secondary bosses, even you're obeying your parents, ultimately it has to be done unto the Lord. Using all that God has given you to worship him and to minister to, to others. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, we're actually to be stewards of God's grace, of God's gift to serve others, to serve your employer and to contribute to the success of the company. Your, your productivity is meant for you to provide for your family's needs. It's actually even for you if, if you are productive, if you're being deliberate in the way you, you tackle your task and time. You position yourself to extend hospitality and generosity to neighbors. So you, you make time, you, make, you gather resources to extend hospitality to others, to, to create that actual gospel opportunity. So to summarize, productivity begins what God requires us to do and who to do it for. Our motivation is actually to work hard and to be productive and to have that view of honoring our maker, reflecting his goodness, his excellence to all his creation. It's really to show who God is, to show God off to all his creation. But I just want to be clear, 
this is not some sort of taking this worldly principle of productivity. It's, it's as if the world created that word of, of being productive and just tacking on some Bible references to sort of like Christianize that word, to, 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 to bless it and, and put, put a benediction upon it. You gotta remember Paul's uh, letter. For from him and through him and to him. Productivity cannot start with man and end for man, but productivity actually must begin with God and back to God. So a, a more, a more um, um, helpful definition, I think, instead of getting things done, Tim, Tim Challies, um, I have a book here later that uh, we could give away. He, he says, productivity is effectively stewarding my gifts, talents, time, energy, and enthusiasm for the good of others and the glory of God. It is what has been given to us for the glory of God and for the good of others. So practically speaking, here's just some applications for, 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 for us that we could apply in our lives today. And hopefully um, for that, we'll take a look at the most productive man on earth. So the first, think, consider your roles and responsibilities. Be clear on what your role is. Be clear on what your role is. Not talking about merely your title, merely the label that's tacked on to your resume, to your to your office or whatever you have, or even in your, um, oh yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> but, 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 but focus on the actual tasks and the areas of responsibilities. What task has actually been assigned to you, been delegated to you? Maybe you're given a project and say, this is the project, this is the result I want, uh, your boss says to you, but you have to craft that task, craft that schedule, craft that timeline to finish that project. And, and keep in mind also, even though we're talking um, Christians in the workplace here, this applies in all other areas. You, call, you could call it spheres. You could call it arenas, domains. So you could have your, your family as a domain, your, your sphere of, of church life, your, your work life, your, your personal life. And within those domains, within those spheres or, or arenas, if you will, you actually have different roles. You're, you're a Christian. You're, you're a father, you're a husband, you're a pastor. Sounds like a, a regular Twitter bio that you see there, right? Um, some even says, slaves of Jesus, which truly, if you're a Christian, you are a slave of Jesus. But, you know, other areas, you're, you're a student, you're a part-time employee, whatever that is, be clear on your role. Just a quick note here. Um, um, on being clear on what your role is and, and making sure that you do what you're, you've been delegated to do or what you've actually set out to do. A comment just to any, any young folks here, post-secondary or just getting a part-time job, a summer student job, co-op job, be eager to say yes to everything as much as you can. Really, truly, when your boss asks you to do something, take it. You, you wanna get that breadth of experience and if you do those tasks well, your boss sees that, that you're reliable for bigger tasks, that you're actually, oh, this is a man or a woman of integrity. I could assign bigger tasks on him. So if a young, young man or young woman just entering into college or just finishing college, be, be, be that kind of person as much as you can. Say, say yes to everything. But even with that, there, there is a caution. when we can't just be a regular yes man, even as we grow, because, you know, um, here's another, um, 
product terminology that maybe only some of you know, is, is being clear on what your role is, it protects you against scope creep. It protects you against being spread thin. So for example, this is the scope of your work, but then when you say yes, it expands. Say yes again, it expands. And sooner or later, it's over here. Sooner or later, it's over here. But you were originally assigned to only this. So do as you grow and gain experience and recognizing what you're truly best at, what your strengths at, be, be, be sure that you're focusing on your own role because that's how you're actually being truly productive and effective in what's been given to you. So as you grow and gain more experience, you need to learn when to recognize when your attention, your energies are being scattered to numerous tasks. And again, it goes beyond to your original role. This could be a tendency of fearing man, of pleasing man. You may be doing good things for the team to contribute to the team, but sometimes your best efforts are constantly being shifted away from your actual primary responsibilities. So, so be vigilant to not neglect your primary duties in those spheres of area, your roles, and your responsibility. And the last, um, last part on being clear on what your role is, is actually a protection against sin. It's protection against sinning. If your, your company is requiring you to do what is contrary to God's word, then you will have a talk with your boss and reevaluate. You say, this is the job description that you've hired me to do, and this is what I've agreed to do. I'll stay in this. So there, there, there is, in a sense, of pr- protecting yourself from being spread thin and protecting yourself from sinning against God. Here's one probably that you're more eager to know is, how do you do time management? Maybe you're more keen, and I'll probably want to hear your, your, your ideas afterwards of how you, you, you manage your time. But certainly today, we can say since we're more technologi- technologically advanced than ever before, we, we, we know how to manage time. We, we have this little thing in our pockets, device. We, we call it a phone, but we barely use it as a phone. When was the last time you used it to call someone? Even to call it, you, you, you see somebody's face rather than, you know, just straight up audible. So we've been able to experience new activities, explore new frontiers, invent, invent new gadgets for us. And yet what still remains, we only have 24 hours in a day. We may be able to relocate our time to maximize our day, but we only still have 24 hours Sure, our tools and devices, they make it easier for us to do our things faster. We're able to multitask uh, all at the same time. And maybe you could also attest, some of you, that actually technology has taken away your time. We hear what? The ping and the ding. And we're drawn to feel the need to see the feed. We, we want that feed of coming in. Like, what, what's, what's the latest thing? What's, what's, what's the latest picture? What, who, who's this up to, this high school friend that I don't I have normal connections with, but I just want to see what he's up to. But we, we, we have that urge to see the feed. But we know we only have 24 hours in a day, so be diligent. Guard your time with what you have, giving our best attention to what's important and valuable. It's a temptation for all of us. So practically speaking, be proactive rather than reactive. 
I, I'm not, I used to be not a plan guy because if I set out a plan, I feel like I already wasted my time setting out a plan. But actually making a plan for the day and sticking to that plan as much as you can tones you to be that disciplined. Plan your week and plan your day, truly. At the start of the week, plan your week. At the start of the day, plan your day. You hear, you hear Pastor Gavin, I don't know who, who does this anymore, when he comes up here and announce family announcement and there's men's breakfast, he says, write it on your diaries. I don't know who has diaries anymore, but I, I try to do digital and analog, so, you know, w- whatever fits you. But r- record it down, write it down. And that's, 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 that's the start. And so for the weeks, record and review your, your special meetings, the special events that you have scheduled. For the day, block out that time. Block it out. Protect that time that you have. From 9 to 12, whatever you have to do, block that time. And so that you're focused on that. You're not distracted from other things. So this is, this is how I used to work before. I come on a day, I sit down. What am I doing? I think it off my head. But it doesn't help out because you end up scrambling. You set up to do 10 mini tasks rather than one task that your boss asked you a week ago to be completed yesterday. So what, what, once you have it, write it that, written down and recorded, look at your plan, look at your agenda, your schedule, whatever that is. So, so you're, you're clear to what's the task at hand. So you, maybe you have the system already in place at your workplace. Maybe you have a status update board. Maybe you have a daily stand-up meeting. Maybe you have a, a project planner. Whatever that is, it's right before you, and that directs what you will tackle for that day. But keep in mind, though, we're not here to be rigid and be robotic and this is it, whatever it is, because we know there are urgent tasks that comes along. So be, be adaptable enough to respond to urgent requests. But the main point of, of being proactive is that this is what I will do to the day. Maybe some of you will actually have to say, okay, at 4 o'clock, this is the only time I will check my, my social media, whatever it is. You know it's going to come up, so you're not having that tendency to say, ah, I want to see it. I want to click my phone again just to be um, distracted, just to f- be, be fulfilled in that one second. Next one is, um, maybe you're familiar, maybe develop a decision matrix, being, um, knowing what is important versus urgent. Uh, I remember a quick story. Um, yeah, a quick story here. My first corporate job, the only thing on my resume was customer service rep at Domino's Pizza and accounting assistant for my dad's work, which really it was me helping my mom do, do, do my accounting stuff for my dad. So I come into this, this oil and gas company, and that's all I have. And my mom told me, son, be sure that you know when you get in the interview, in the interview, you know how to decide what is important and what is urgent. You have this matrix. Because for us, what is our tendency when there's an urgent? We want to do that. We want to finish that. We want a quick win. But we forget the actual importance. So there is this matrix of determining the, the importance of, of, of the weight of it, the value of it for the company, and, and the need for it to get done. And the way to make those decisions is when to say yes to things and when to say no to opportunities. So you, you want to make sure you, you, you know that, you know, you, you, um, you want to make sure when task comes at you or a project comes at you, you know what you need to tackle, what your priorities are. Maybe there's actual tasks, if you could, actually delegate that task to someone else. Maybe it's urgent, but maybe it could be delegated to somebody from your, your team. Or maybe there's actually tasks that are not important, not urgent, that you don't need to do. 
So you don't have to worry about that. But the one that you want to go for is, is the important. It, it's the must. It's the, it's, it's the things that actually contribute to, to, the, to the success or to the growth of the company. So develop that matrix, considering what is important and what is urgent. I've touched on this. Uh, the third one is dealing with distraction. Uh, get ahead of it. Truly get ahead of it. Don't get distracted uh, on the little things and you neglect the bigger things. Sounds, sounds like a Pharisee, right? They, they, they want to tithe myth and cumin, but they forget the, the more important stuff, justice, mercy. Don't get distracted on the little things. Focus on the valuable, high important things, the task. And this may be your tendency to procrastinate or your, your lack of self-discipline. But remember, since you only have 24 hours in a day, you only have limited best energies to expend. Direct that to high value work. And yet at the same time, if those little things need to be done, don't neglect it. But once you get the big things done, you have time to actually tackle those little, um, more smaller things. So order and priority are key. You know, you guys are adults. If your phone distracts you, put it away, shut it down. You know, there's that little moon sign on your phone. I have an Apple iPhone. There's that little moon sign. Maybe you have it on the other phone. It says, do not disturb. The, the pings and the dings are not going to be there. And it'll, it'll help you keep on focus. If you need to go to a different location, find a different location. Go find that spot and work hard. Um, two more in regards to time. It, recognizing your limitations. You're not Superman. You're not Superwoman. You only have 24 hours in a day. Y you do. You actually do have 24 hours in a day. But if you like sleep, I like sleep. I only have 16 to 18 hours a day. But at the end of your work shift, at the end of your work day, evaluate if you've done all that you can. It's 5 o'clock. You have to head home. You have, you have to go to your, to your family, attend to your family. You have other duties. But there's last-minute emails filling your inbox. Your Teams, your Slack, your, your, your chat is pinging, needing your, your immediate attention. Your head doctor is asking you to stay longer because there's more patients to take care of. You're behind your construction schedule. With all these pressures, you need to determine for yourself if it can wait another day. You know, there may be times you actually have to input long hours, hustle and dig deep, do more than, than, than what you want. But you do have to recognize we're, we're finite beings. We, we cannot do everything, all that we want. So you have to decide when, when is your limit for, for, for that day. And then the last one, the first is dealing with distractions, but here, dealing with disruptions. Time doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. He appoints the time we have. He appoints what happens at those times. So w when you start your day, be ready for divine appointments, for divine delays, and even divine disruptions. There will be things that are just out of your control, but it's not out of God's control. He, he, he diverts our plans, redirects our path, he could even add to our day that we weren't expecting. 
However God chooses to manage our time, that's, that's, that's his prerogative. That's his decision. He wants to be glorified in that way. So if you're a Christian, we need to trust in him. We need to trust in him and actually be patient. We're not entitled that all things need to happen our way on our time schedule. I know I could have that tendency. So it, it is a great learning to, to, to be patient that, hmm, maybe the Lord is actually slowing you down. Or maybe if you're procrastinating, the Lord is pressuring you to come on, let's go. And the third area, just for application, we looked at being clear on your role and it, just practical advice on, on how to, to, to protect the time that you have. The third is just practice good habits and routines. It's quite fascinating. I surveyed uh, a, a few people in our church what, what, what it is uh, a productive day looks like. There's a handful that says preparation is actually key to starting ha- have a, a, a productive day. Cultivate those good habits even now. You, you may not see that big results right away, but you're slowly building upon incremental improvements over time. So many people start their day with a morning devo or morning devotion. You, you, you read scripture, you pray, some, some work out, some eat, um, obviously, if you want to eat food, you, you got to eat breakfast. Um, but before coming to the office, you, the hospital, the classroom, pray specifically for the day. Like, Look, look at your tasks, what you've had, and, and maybe yeah, you have a list of patients, you have a list of materials, you have a list of deliverables. Look at that task beforehand and, and pray to God specifically that God would grant you actually wisdom and strength to be able to do what you need to do. Be it that that's a master plan, a blueprint, or, or a, a sound equipment, whatever that is. Seek God for wisdom and grace for that day. Um, and then, just a quick, quick note on tools and technology, you know, this, this is what I've learned too, is actually reserve your brain for doing the activities that require your utmost focus and attention. Don't use your brain for storing information. That's, that is a lot of work, if you, if you come to think of it. Th- this may sound new to you or counterintuitive, but absorbing and retaining all that information is already hard work, and you don't have enough energies to actually think about it, to analyze it, to make decisions. So, you know, speaking of delegation, why don't you, you, you delegate that to, um, I forgot the author's name, but delegate that to, to, to a second brain, if you will, outside of yourself, and use your brain for, for intense focus, intense analysis, intense processing, so that you'll be able to actually make um, well-informed decisions that you need. So just, just another, another um, story, another anecdote. So before coming here at, at this church, I worked at a, a tax software company. And so we were developing this product. My boss looks at me, okay, so we're going to develop this product. This is your three things that we need to get done for this specific software. And I was just looking at her, and I'm like, okay, okay. And then she, I think she said to me, are you going to write that down? And I was like hesitant. I'm like, I know what you're talking about. I have it in my mind. And I'm like, maybe I should write it down. Because actually looking back, there's so many things that I actually forgot, thinking that my young mind could still hold and retain information. But it just shows that we're actually finite. So, you know, find ways to record all that stuff 
get it out of your head and put it on a piece of paper, put it on a notebook, put it on a, on a, on a notepad online, whatever that is. Get that clutter actually out of your mind and put it down elsewhere. List it out so you're not thinking about it and you're focused on that one primary thing. And once you actually have it out, recorded, whatever that is, you can actually take a look. So this is the 10 things that's on my head. That's how you prioritize, reclassify, reorder what needs to be done. And then you check again, what is important, what is urgent. So delegating it to a second brain, if you will, or a second something to hold and retain that information so that your best energies, your best attention is focused on doing, processing, actually analyzing, actually making that decision for your company or for, for, for your employer or your boss. And then... Once you have their priorities laid out, respond, act on it, do something, do something for that day. And at the end of the day, review. Have I done all the stuff that I've done? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but it'll be up to you to decide whether you have done enough for the day. So that's just uh, hopefully some practical steps. You, you may be doing that already. Maybe, maybe share it with someone after, after this, after this um, class. But I hope you don't walk away from this class that productivity is about organized calendars. Color-coded, that is, on analog, on digital, pinging and dinging. It's not about just to-do lists being checked off, not just about projects completed, feeling secure that you have accomplished all that things for yourself. Nor is it actually, okay, I'm not doing it for myself, I'm doing it for my family, doing it to change the world, but it still falls short. It still falls short if that's what we think. We've got to remember what Paul says, for from God and through God and to God are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So the world says, be productive, be efficient. So what? You can work your, well, um, work your way up the ladder, build a name for yourself, Maybe you do employ the right tools and time management skills and practices so you actually have time to do what you want. These are not necessarily bad, but if the end goal of productivity is to serve yourself and build, build, build this empire with your name on it, you miss the mark. You, you, you fall short of that mark. You, you accomplish your goals, you accomplish your objectives, your dreams, but you lose sight of eternity? What, what about those achievements? What about the empires you actually built? You know? The question is, what if you did gain the whole world but lose your soul? You will be held accountable before the Lord for all that has been given you. And there is an appointment, an appointment for all people that God has scheduled on everyone's calendar. In Hebrews it says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Th there is this impending appointment that all of us will need to meet. So you must first know that God is your master. Remember, it's not about getting things done in an efficient manner, but what is your motivation in getting things done? Is it so that you exalt in your triumphs or to glorify God? Are you getting things done by faith and trusting in him, trusting in his timeline? Maybe you're not where you want to be, 
maybe at your age, you're thinking, have I reached that milestone? Have I really obtained that role that I want? Have I achieved that goal? Maybe you didn't, or maybe you haven't. You position yourself to attain that you all set out to do, but you failed. You miscalculated your timing. Maybe you had a career-ending injury that halted your dreams. Maybe there's a life-threatening illness that redirected your path that set you on a detour. We have to be reminded that our life belongs to our Creator, and, and though we are called to plan and work in the fear of the Lord, His ways will actually be established. What He plans will certainly happen. And just to close, I want us to consider the man who was the most productive person ever walked on this earth. Just, just check out his life. Check out his life. He grew up in Galilee, not, not in a progressive and advanced city of Rome. He grew up learning about Jewish scriptures, carpentry. We don't have any records of his, of his high school or college days. He only lived about maybe 30, 33 years old. So what is that? If, if we think we live to 80 to 4,000 weeks, he only had about 1,700 weeks. So he only had a set amount of time to accomplish what he was sent out to do. Here are, here are some of his task lists assigned to him. He checked off completely and not one task left unfinished. He proclaimed good news to the poor without a seminary degree, recovered the sight of the blind without advanced technology, cleansed lepers without a medical team, fed thousands with meager supplies. He healed and fed so many. And you know what what else he did? He rested. He prayed. But for you and I, when we want to hustle, we feel like rest and praying is actually inactivity. We we, we can sometimes feel it's so unproductive because we're not doing anything. So prior to his shameful death, he went to a garden in agony. He lifted his eyes to his father and, and prayed, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. He was betrayed, arrested, accused, mocked, flogged, crucified on a Roman torture stick. And as he hung on the cross, not for the righteous work he did, but for the evil deeds of sinners, in his final breath, he declared, it is finished you don't know yet his name his name is jesus jesus the eternal son of god who became flesh and he completed all the father had sent him to do what jesus accomplished we cannot even with all our strength all our wit we cannot fulfill what god has commanded but jesus did with all our resources all our riches Be it large, be it small, we could never pay the wages for our sins. But Jesus did. Yet, you know what? Jesus did not keep all this productive life all to himself. He's so generous, gratuitous to extend his productive life to us. He calls you and me, you and me, to forsake our failure and even our seemingly productive life, all of that, and put our trust in him. And when you cast yourself upon Jesus, you know, your unfruitful life of failing to do all that God has commanded is placed on him on the cross. And his productive life, his accomplishing all that the Father has commanded him to do is put upon you. And if you are in Christ, you could consider your productive life 
productive life in light of Christ's productive life. There's no more need to strive to earn righteousness. No more need to hustle to gain acceptance before God. His righteous life is ours by grace to, through faith in him. We can rest from grinding. We can rest from hustling to gain God's favor, to be on his side. We no, we no longer, if you're trusting in Christ, the question should no longer be, have I done enough? But the answer to that, he has done enough, and that's all I have. By faith, friends. So believers in Jesus can enjoy good works he has prepared for them. Believers can do it in peace, whether successful or not. Because our identity is not in, found in our work, but in Jesus Christ. Um, I thought I was being efficient with my time, but hopefully that was a, a, a beneficial and um, encouraging time for you. If you do have any questions, and um, over here. If any of you be eager beavers want um, Tim Chalice, do more better, just come up here and, and you can grab it and it will be useful for you. But we just join me in a word of prayer and we'll have time for um, just fellowship and then we'll come back here at 1045 for the worship service. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you that in, in all of this, we are truly confronted by our, by our finitude, by our limitations. Lord, we are not God, and yet we choose to have control that we may be fulfilled. Forgive us in ways that we've forgotten you, and that, Lord, help us to look to Christ, the one who has done it all, and we could receive that completed, productive life by faith and by grace. So do help us, even as we um, come together again to commune with you, to hear your word preached, sung, prayed, responded. May it be so that, Lord, you, you would bless us, that we may be even transformed, looking to Christ, the truly productive man. Be worshipped and glorified today. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.